me thank the leadership for this opportunity to stand in front of you and just share the word of God as he has laid in my heart. And as it is a custom when I do preach, I'm going to just, I'm, I'm waiting for those guys at the back because I'm not sure if I'm not hearing myself or if you are not hearing me. But there's something that I'm not hearing right. I'm hoping that they will work with me. As it is custom when I do preach, I'm going to read a lot of scripture. And I think it's just going to be easier to explain and talk about what I'm preaching about once I've read all these parts. Let's read together the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6. We're going to read the whole chapter. It's only a few verses, 100 and... I'm joking. It's 25 verses. And we're going to read also Deuteronomy chapter 11, only five verses in chapter 11. We're also going to read a few other verses um, as we go through that marathon. You guys are going to help me to just mark them down. Amen. Perhaps just to start on a different note, I want to talk about family today and what I think is the importance of family, how I think family should be or what are the kind of things that should and should not be happening in families and how we can perhaps ask God to help us to build stronger and more godly families. During the break, again, I was asked a few questions about some of the things that I've said. And one of the questions that I was asked, and I'm glad that uh, the gentleman who did, and I'm not going to look at him or mention his name, but I'm glad that he had the opportunity or at least um, had the relationship with me to come and ask me this question because many other people would have gone home wondering. The question that he asked me is, are you advocating divorce? And maybe you will find out later on why he asked the question. And I told him that I was Christian. And he also told me, what about the verse that says God hates divorce? He also mentioned that he does not know where that verse is, but he knows that there's a verse that says God hates divorce or something to that effect. And my response to him was that God does not hate, God hates divorce. God loves divorces. God hates divorce. God hates liars. He never kicks you out of the kingdom because you are a liar. He is not going to kick you out of his kingdom because you have divorced. And that's the answer that I gave you. <laughs> Amen. Let us read. <laughs> or should I say that's the response I gave him rather than that's the answer. I think response would be more appropriate, a word. Um, let's read Deuteronomy chapter 6. These are the commands, decrees, and laws that the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may, be, may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing 
with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then, when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God. Serve him only and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God and his anger will burn against you and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Do not test the Lord your God as you did at Massa. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees that he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, so that it may go well with you, and you may go in and take over the good land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers, thrusting out all your enemies before you, as the Lord said. In the future, when your son asks, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws of the Lord our God, the laws the Lord our God has commanded you, Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent miraculous signs and wonders, great and terrible, upon Egypt and Pharaoh and, and his household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land that he promised on earth to our forefathers. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as is this as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all his law, all this law before the Lord our God as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as he commanded us, that will be our righteousness. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Sorry. Thank you. You're awake. Great. I haven't bored you to death. Chapter 11, verse 16 to verse 21. Be careful or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you, and he will shut the heavens so it will not rain, and the ground will yield no produce, and you will soon perish from the good land the Lord is giving you. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. 
tie them as symbols of your as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on your door frames, on the door frames of your houses and on the and on your gates, so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land that the Lord swore to give your forefathers, as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. Amen. Let us read the book of Proverbs chapter 22. There's a verse I skipped in the morning, so, so as not to rob the people in the morning, I'm going to skip it again. Just to make all things equal. Hallelujah. The Bible says God hates un, unfair or unjust scales. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 6. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Chapter 23 verse 13 reads, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with the rod, he will not die. Chapter 29 verse 15 reads, The rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. Isaiah chapter 66. Isaiah chapter 66 verse 12. For this is what the Lord says. I will extend peace to her like a river and the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. You will nurse and be carried on her arm and dandled on her knees. As a mother comforts her child, I will, so will I comfort you and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 1 to 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in in the training and instruction of the Lord. Colossians chapter 3 verse 20. We start from verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Last one, First Timothy. Chapter 3. From verse 2 to verse 5. Now, the overseer must be above reproach. The husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, 
able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with, pro with proper respect. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with, prosper, with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? Verse 12, a deacon must be the husband of but one wife and must manage his children and his household well. Amen. Some of, just as a way of introduction, some of the reasons that at least inspired me to talk about the topic today is that although we often hear a lot about the importance of, 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 of marriage and family and raising up children, this, as it is often called, the basic unit of society or the basic unit of the church. We often only hear about it at weddings when two people embark in a journey to start their own family. The pastors and elders often, often bombard us uh, with, uh, in these occasions with lots of rhetorical statements like things like the family is the original and still the best strategy that God uses to build a nation. We often hear statements like Jesus also had to be put in a family so as to highlight the importance of family. Moses, David, and Joshua, and many other heroes of the Bible and also heroes of our, of our faith are often referred to as having been, as having came out of families that God has used so as to, as to lead his, his nation, Israel, and continue to lead the gospel unto us. And equipped with these statements like these, the couple that gets married is then united in matrimony, in holy matrimony. Hands are laid on them and the blessings are declared upon their marriage. Their family is thus started and the mystical 11th and 12th commandments of the Bible are expected to be fulfilled from that day until death do them apart. And these, what I call 11th and 12th commandments of the Bible are number one or number 11, live happily ever after. And number two, thou shall not divorce. And it is expected that after this rhetoric has been done, this two shall come through. Having been a Christian myself for the last 20 years of my life, and have been, having been in counseling for 13 years of those 20 years, I find it very astonishing how little time and attention this God's best strategy receives from the church. One would think or one would expect that this would be the most studied, most researched, most preached about, and most developed institution amongst God's people. Any Christian, however, who wishes to hear their pastor talking directly or impacting directly in, 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 in their marriage often has to pray that someone gets married soon in their church and that they will be invited to that wedding because it is the only time or at least mostly the only time that marriage is ever addressed as a topic and Christians empowered for their marriage. 
it is also quite tragic that young people are only getting prepared for marriage only weeks to months prior to their wedding day and this preparation often takes place after they've already decided who to marry whatever their criteria for choosing such a lifetime partner is hence we find many of us well prepared for the wedding but ill prepared for the marriage that lies ahead today i just want to share some ideas and principles drawn from the bible and my study of the bible about what god intends family to be all about and what should be happening in your family if you want to if you want your family to be considered or you want to consider your family as godly and how god intends this to be done i hope this will help those of us who are married to take stock of their marriage and prayerfully seek to be godly in their ways i hope it will also inspire and inform young people to look beyond skin beauty which i have no doubt is very important and the beautiful voices of 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 the partners that we seek to choose as they sing but it will inspire us to seek godliness and fu- and fulfilling of this god's best strategy to build a nation over and above other things the first thing that i just want to ta- to to touch on is on proverbs chapter 22 verse 6 it reads train a child in a way that he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it now you realize that the bible doesn't say train a child in a good way that he should go and when he's old he will not depart from it he says train a child in a way that he should go good or bad and when he is old he will not depart from it and if you think about it the way that if we are to hold this verse true the way that we go about now that we are old we have been trained when we were children and we have not departed from it in other words there are certain characters that we have today certain behaviors certain way we carry ourselves and certain ways we interact with our world and the people that we interact with that were instilled in our lives willfully or by mistake but were instilled in our lives when we were young and even today we are either flourishing because of them or struggling because of them and i want you to have that in mind as we continue because whatever you're struggling with today was somehow impacted in you when you were young and whatever you are doing today in your marriage and in your raising of your children you're going to be instilling the same thing for the next generation to come of course i was asked again what about god's grace in between we thank god for god's grace a family is a place where characters and value systems are developed for most in fact for all of us a nesting infant learns to be to develop a relationship with another human being and this relationship that they develop with their mothers primarily is primarily one of dependence the child is totally at the mercies of their mother for warmth for comfort nourishment and protection this is reinforced through the touch and the play from their mother the infant soon learns that when they when trouble comes perceived trouble or real trouble they are source of hope meaning 
survival is in another human being. Although this dependence is very important, or this dependence in another human being is very important and actually very necessary for survival as a survival character trait for an infant. This has the tendency though to persist throughout life and become generalized to other relationships. When this happens, children become gullible and take meaning, comfort, hope, and sense of personal worth from other people, like their friends. Their value system becomes totally dependent on what others value. They seek love from they seek love and self-worth from relating with other human beings in the same manner that they sought this from their own mothers when they were infants. This character trait can persist into adult life as well. Like you can see when they are, the children are older, we talk about peer pressure, we talk about them not having values of their own, or we worry about why are they forsaking the values that they were taught when they are young, and they are gullible, and they are wanting uh, to, to do the things or impress their friends that are doing other things that may be considered silly or be considered ungodly, simply because they do not have that worth from, their, from themselves, from within themselves, and they seek that self-worth from being appreciated and being loved by other people. And you can see how that would, would act, would turn out to be in, 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 in teenage. But as I said, this can also persist until we become adults. Often, and, and, and I want to address women first, I'll talk about men later. Women will get into marriage because their husband means the world to them. They will ignore any signs and clues that the marriage may be disastrous. They will believe that when they have grown to become what their husbands want them to be, the husband will then love them unconditionally. With this distorted thought, they will lower themselves to any level that their husbands want them to, allow certain things that they are totally against, or, or certain things that are totally against their own beliefs, they will allow these things to happen in their marriage and even to themselves. They will quote sayings like, I'm fighting for my marriage, or God hates divorce. Because they are trying to hold on to this meaning or, or this uh, reassurance by this husband. I recently met a certain lady who is married to a drug addict, gangster criminal, who, who is on parole. He was arrested for beating this same wife and putting her on a wheelchair for about six months. She had been brought to hospital at this time around after she was beaten again and chased with a knife by the very same husband who's on parole. She told me in no uncertain terms that she is scared of her husband and wants him to receive help so he can control his temper. She is praying for God to help change her husband. When I asked her why she did not leave the husband, her answer was very telling. She said to me, I cannot live without him. She was fully dependent on her husband. Without this relationship, although it may be disastrous, but without this relationship, she would have no hope, no meaning, and no sense of self-worth. She needed another human being 
to accept she needed another human being to give her a reason to live and was willing to accept anything that other human being brings through the mouth of Jeremiah God tells us this Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 5 This is what the Lord says Cast is the is the one who trusts in man who depends on flesh for his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord he will be like a bush in the wastelands he will not see prosperity when it comes he will he will dwell in the pest places of the de- of the desert in a salt land where no one lives but blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in him he will be like a tree planted by water that by the water that depends that sends out its roots by the streams it does not fear when heat comes it, its leaves are always green it has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit people with a generalized dependency beyond just their parents usually suffer from low self esteem anxieties and fears of abandonment and they seek these relationships so as to get some sense of comfort and some sense of wealth as i've explained how generally this would affect women boys and indeed men usually resort to rebellion and conduct problems they become stubborn and stout kids for a sense of meaning and a sense of acceptance amongst their peers they will resort to drug use and criminality when these fears or anxieties about their relationships are threatened they will resort to physical abuse of their spouses and their children and this is the behavior most of the time you will find them to 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 exhibit as a child grows older it is the duty of the parent or the parents to not only introduce them to other relationships but help them learn how to relate with those other people this may be achieved through helping the child develop their own self worth you teach the child to master certain normal tasks in their lives for example riding a bicycle dressing themselves using a toilet opening a door are feeding themselves and other things and in the doing this you reassure them of their own abilities their own strengths and their own inner values you affirm them as human beings in their own right and that they will be fine to navigate life as individuals without you as a parent or any other human being giving them a sense of self worth you have them develop their self esteem learn to be rooted in themselves and have their own value system and only allow relationships with other people who share the same values with them and will help them advance in their life journey they will not seek other human beings to define their life journeys family is a place where values and relationships with god are formed developed nurtured 
and reinforced. The church ought to equip parents with skills to teach their children about God and virtues that a Christian child and indeed adult ought to have, rather than taking our children and teaching them on our behalf while we sit and be merry. These are the virtues like love, patience, being considerate, sharing and caring, grace and forgiveness, and others. In the book of Deuteronomy, where we read chapter 6 and indeed chapter 11, we learn about six important things or six important ways of teaching value systems to our children. And I'm just going to summarize them as we go forward. The first thing I just want to say is that we have a responsibility to be clear about our own understanding of who God is. This understanding is what we shall use to teach our children from birth and as, the, and as long as they live with us. That teaching will be verbal, direct and indirect, and through their observations of how we live, our, how we live out our Christian beliefs. In other words, when we know who God is and how we as Christians we ought to live, we will then be an example to our children to live such a life as well. When we value certain things like love, like patience, like truth, and when we discourage lying, cheating, and not being considerate, our children will have such things embedded in their, in their, embedded in their lives and in their value systems and will go and form other relationships with other people with such characters embedded in them already. And they will know that when they meet people who do not honor the truth, that is not how they should live, and those are not the people they are to associate with, or those are not the values that they are supposed to be learning from them. From us, they will learn how to talk to other people, how to solve quarrel with a spouse, how to handle finances, and, how to, and where to run for comfort and, and advice in times of difficulties. Number two, our passion for and worship of God will not only help us raise our children well, but will be exemplary to them. They will have exper experiential knowledge of how the, of the love of God. Number three, God's commandments must be in our speech as they fill our hearts. If you hold them dear to our hearts, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And in verse 7 of Deuteronomy 6, it says, impress them on your children. I made an example in the morning about how you impress something. You put on a deliberate, planned, and specific mark on something. Like you would with a number plate on a car. Like we used to with um, making marks in our cattle at home and in the sheep that we would cut their ears to mark a certain, to place a certain mark that says these belong to so and so. It is a deliberate a formal, a planned, and a prepared strategy of teaching God's word to our children. Number five, the Bible says talk about them or talk about these laws when. It says when you lie down and when you get up, when you sit in your homes, when you walk on the streets. The author here uses a figure of speech 
where he mentions the extremes to include the whole. In other words, when, I, when he says from the, from the rising of the sun to the setting down of the same, his name should be exalted. It doesn't mean he should do other things during the day. It basically seems we mention the extremes to include everything that is in between. So in other words, talk about them all the time. Whenever you speak, whenever you talk, whenever you relate, whenever you interact, either with a child directly or with another human being in front of them, we talk about God's word. God's word, God's laws impress that God's, God's word informs that kind of character, that kind of interaction, so that children may see how a Christian should behave and how they should behave when they are older. Number six, God's laws and decrees must inform all that we put our hands to and that takes place in our homes. In truth, a family is a major place of influence for people. Often we look at, the, at, at it as if it's a major place of influence for children, as if we adults were not influenced in our homes. It is a major place of influence for people. It is a place where we, primary, we primarily learn how to behave, what to value, and how to relate with other people. As we grow and interact with the rest of the world, we write our life story on a slate that our family values have given us. We tackle, approach, and navigate life with a toolbox that we have received at home. Proverbs 22 tells us that the way we go about life today we remember it from the teachings we received as children. If we learned to be clay in God's hands, we are then fortunate in that he is always able to give us a new lease in life, a new direction, and a new heart. No matter how far down any life direction we may have gone, God is able to help us change direction and give us hope and self-worth when we come and we allow him to do that for us. Amen. I hope that with these few words, I have managed to convince you, or at least describe to you, what are some of the things that your family that you are in, either as a parent or as a child, ought to be about. And what kind of things that we ought to be careful of doing as we go on. There are many challenges that we are facing today, simply because we have not necessarily informed ourselves of what we are doing in our families, in our marriages, in our parenting, and indeed in our relationships with our children. Amen. I believe in a God who is full of grace. Many of you may be sitting here today struggling with many things that you have touched on, or maybe the message has reminded you of certain things that are going on in your lives, either in your marriage or in your parenting, or whatever relationship that you are in. But I want to tell you something that God is still able and God is able to change the course of your life, even as we speak. 